Welcome to another episode of Across the Field. We got Brett and Brady here with you tonight, and Zach's joining us again. Zach, how's it going? Doing pretty well, Brett. Happy to be back. Happy to be back. Brady, how's it going? Uh, good right now. The Celtics are up seven, so that'll kind of determine my mood here tonight. <laughs> uh, guys, it's May 1st, and it certainly feels like it's March 1st outside. It's awful. I'm tired of it. Yeah, me too. I'm ready for some warm. Um, but uh, while we're here tonight, we're going to – Zach's back again to kind of talk the NFL draft, and uh, we'll recap that, especially the first round. Um, interested to see what you guys have to think on that. Um, so let's just go ahead and dive right into it. Uh, so Thursday night, let's just go all the way back to Thursday night in the first round. Uh, Bryce Young, number one overall, which we all – saw coming um but then cj stroud goes number two to houston um and then houston trades up to get the three pick and they take will anderson uh zach i'll start with you what did you think of that how that whole thing uh transpired there the first three picks so we we all expected the bryce young pick of course so no surprises there that that went as as expected however surprises started as soon as pick two for me i i did not see the cj stroud pick coming i know that i i think i'm with a lot of people when i say that including the vegas odds i it, it was a pretty pretty good smoke screen so to speak i we didn't see it coming and they and they make the pick with stroud if they were going to go quarterback there i think that's the right pick it just wasn't the pick i expected them to make then to follow up to trade up get back on the clock at number three and then grab apparently their top defensive player in Will Anderson was, was a surprise. It's, I thought it was a great move from the Cardinals or for the Cardinals. Um, The Texans, it's hard to knock it as you go out and you get an elite guy or or what we expect to be an elite guy. So I, I like the aggressiveness. I like going out and getting your guy. So a lot of shock for me, but I definitely think they got two good players. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I, I would agree. I thought that the Texans did a great job at number two taking Stroud. We kind of talked about that on our last episode. We all thought that Stroud was definitely the guy that should be selected there. Um, I don't think any of us thought they were going to take him, but then they ended up doing it. Um, but then move with everything they gave up to move up to number three kind of blew my mind. And I guess... I, I like Will Anderson. I think he's a good player. But I just thought it was odd to me to give up everything that they did to do that. And, I mean, they're really banking on C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson being tremendous players for the next decade, really. And in particular, Will Anderson, with everything they gave up to get him. I know I talked with Zach a little bit about it, but it wasn't a year where there was, like, a clear-cut number one defensive player in the draft. Um like we've seen in years past with like the Bosa brothers or Chase Young, like consensus pretty much top defensive player in the draft. This year we heard Will Anderson, we heard Tyree Wilson, there was a couple good corners. I didn't think Will Anderson was a clear-cut number one that warranted giving up that much future draft capital uh, to make that trade happen at three, but they did it nonetheless, and they're going to have to hope that he really pans out and is a great player. Yeah, Zach, what did you think? Uh, Do you think it was too much – that Houston gave up to, to go right back to number three? 
Yes. I mean, Brady and I, uh, we were together for the draft, and I think the conversation that we had after the, the trade details came up on the board started with, man, that's what you pay to go up and get a quarterback. Um, you know, so you see that happen when, when a team wants to come up and get a quarterback. Like, I think a lot of people expected a trade at three. <laughs> because yeah. we thought someone was going to come up and make an offer like that for C.J. Stroud. So when that happens and it's for Will Anderson, the, and Brady makes some very good points with it, with there not being a clear-cut number one defensive guy, because if someone makes this trade for a, a Nick Boza or a Chase uh, Young, you know, we, we're like, yep, that makes sense. These guys are, can't miss. They're, they're bona fide studs, top-notch. Will Anderson had a few concerns, as I expressed a little bit on last uh, on the last episode, and there were a couple names tossed around that could could potentially be the the number one defensive guy off the board. So, yeah. yeah so here, here's another thing I wonder, guys. Um, let's say Houston would have took Will Anderson number two. Um, kind of what I don't know. Some some of the experts were saying. Uh, do you think they would have? been able to get back to three or do you think like the price would have been too high and maybe they would have quote unquote got outbid by somebody else to move up to three to get Stroud I mean there's got to be a reason that they kind of went in that order I would think dude that's really interesting and I hadn't thought about that yet but when you put it that way and think about it as trading up for TJ Stroud at three instead of Will Anderson it really doesn't seem that outrageous. But I think, once again, you could argue that Will Anderson at two would maybe a reach. Maybe not. The order there really does change things, and it makes me wonder, at least, was that, like, how early was the trade for the number three pick in place? Yeah. So so my dad and I actually had a talk like this, I want to say, on on Friday then afternoon before the second round started, we were discussing the Texans and these moves and he asked the question about how much pay difference would there be between CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud's contract at number two and CJ Stroud's contract at number three. Well, of course I don't have the answer to that. It it was more of a rhetorical question, just kind of a thought. Um, My answer to that was, I don't know, but I do know, that the odds are that that draft capital or that trade um, uh, price would have been would have been increased if CJ Stroud's sitting there available at number three. So I think the Texans, I don't say this very often, I think the Texans knew what they were doing. If they were looking to get these two players to draft Stroud first and to know that I'm not going to be competing with, I don't even know how many different teams trying to come up and get CJ Stroud and you know that that obviously supply and demand drives the cost down a little bit for that pick. Yeah, because and here's what I'm thinking, Zach or, or and Brady, if they take Will Anderson number two, um, I would have to think or even sorry, back that up. They take C.J. Stroud at two, like they did. You have to think that Indianapolis at least picked up the phone to to call Arizona, wouldn't you think, to move up to three? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say so. So, I mean, that – man, that's really interesting. But then, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's it's really – because there were picks after that, like even getting into the Colts, which I'm sure we will. Like Anthony Richardson at four, I didn't see that one coming either. Um, 
But kind of going back to this trade, I think no matter what, I still think it was an over, like, ah, I still think it was an overpay to get back up to three just because you get your guy there at number three, you get your quarterback at two, or then your other guy at three, vice versa, whatever. The Cardinals still gave up number 12, which you could have gotten a really solid player there, mm-hmm. the number 33. Um, and then a third and 24. But most importantly, they give up their 24 first, the Texans yeah. do. Yeah. And I saw today that as of right now, that's projected to be pick number one or number <laughs> two. And the other one is going to be the Cardinals. So when I think you look back at the draft night. Let's go. Cardinals, Let's yeah, go. I, yeah. I think the Cardinals are the big winners, Brett, because oh, there's a real chance they have number one and number two or at least two top five picks next year. And this is kind of a punt year for them anyways with Kyler Murray's health in jeopardy or in doubt. So I, I think the Cardinals really won the night. Zach, what do you think? I, I, I think if you let me talk on this too much, I'm going to spoil my winner section if we get to that. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. <laughs> but I think he made a lot of good points, yes. <laughs> a lot of good points. All right. So I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. So as soon as C.J. Stroud got drafted number two, I had my phone blowing up with everybody like, hey, you going to be a Houston fan again? Uh, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, well, just wait a minute. And as it went on, you know, we get down to number six and, and Paris Johnson gets taken by the Cardinals as they move back up to six. And I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but then I, I text all those people back and I'm like, pump the brakes. Arizona. Yeah. The the Cardinals are in great shape. They're in really, really good shape. Looking for a high-quality detailing service? Check out Stoller Shine Detailing, located on the outskirts of Paulding. Stoller Shine Detailing has a variety of options for interior-exterior detailing. Whether your ride is new, used, or abused, Stoller Shine Detailing strives for highest-quality results and treat each vehicle as their own. To schedule an appointment, go to StollerShineDetailing.com or contact owner and operator Logan Stoller at 419-770-1042. Check out Stoller Shine Detailing on Facebook. All right, so let's talk about the number four pick. Uh, Anthony Richardson going to the Colts. Uh, what did you guys think about this here? I, I'm with Brady in that I didn't see it coming. Um, I thought for sure this was going to be Will Levis. I, I The whole time I thought this was Stroud or this was Levis, depending on, you know, of course, which one was available. I was pretty sure that come, come the Colts selection, only one of them would be and that they would take the other. I, I did not expect them to take Anthony Richardson. I don't think uh, – it just surprised me. There's nothing about the Colts' offense it, since I've been basically born resembles any sort of Anthony Richardson skill set. So, they're, I mean, they're looking to make some some big changes, I'm assuming, in terms of how they're going to run their offense because we've watched Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers, even Andrew Luck. You know, they have Gardner Minshew that – before this draft, Gardner Minshew was their guy, you know. So if you bring in Anthony Richardson, the skill set there is much different than everyone else I just named. So while he's got a lot of things that can't be taught in terms of physical gifts, he, he's raw, and and you're you're probably going to have to change your offensive scheme. Which, if you watch the Colts play offense last season, it don't sound like a half bad idea. But still, you're going to have to do so. Yeah. Well, so, so let hold. Sorry, Brady, to cut you off, but let's just call it what it is. Obviously, the surprise of the night, I think, was not only 
Anthony Richardson going so high, but then Will Levis falling out of the first round, which we'll get to. But uh, just kind of with that being said, and Brady, what did you think about that? Well, it surprised me too. I thought it was going to be Levis here at four. And I agree with what Zach said. Richardson coming in, you have to change your scheme. But let's face it. I mean, I have a lot of fans that are Colts fans or a lot of friends that are Colts fans. And I've told them this. Um, they've just been stuck in the Peyton Manning days. Just, oh, back when Peyton played, we had Peyton and Mark. Like, dude, that's been like a long time ago. So something needs to change. And I think they've tried to recreate that with quarterbacks they've had. Now, don't get me wrong, Andrew Luck, that they kind of got hosed there a little bit. That wasn't a fair deal. But let's go sense Luck. You know, they've tried out Wentz and they've tried out Matt Ryan and it's not working. So I think trying to mix something up there is not a bad idea, especially in that division where you're going to have to compete with uh, Trevor Lawrence going forward and with what the Colts front office has come out and said, Richardson was their number one guy is the way they're making it sound. So uh, potentially, I mean, they get their guy at four here. You can't fault him for that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's keep moving on. Let's go. Um, the number five pick with Seattle. They take Devin Witherspoon, uh, defensive back out of Illinois. Corner more in particular. Uh, what would you guys think of this here? I thought it was yet another surprise. Uh, you know, the the previous three slots were surprises, so why not why not a fourth one uh, <laughs> in a row? I, I mean, it, it's not a surprise in that Devin Witherspoon went this soon because Devin Witherspoon was a projected top five top, or, or top six, top seven type of guy. Um, but I, like I said last time, I can't remember the last time I looked at a mock draft leading up to this draft and Devin Witherspoon wasn't available come pick six. I just never saw anyone saying that, that Seattle's looking corner here. And while I think it's a great pick because they need corner help, you know, I saw I, I had Jalen Carter going here and I'm I will admit I I made that solely or made that pick solely off of Vegas odds skyrocketing so to speak in in the favor of Jalen Carter. So when and Jalen Carter just has Pete Carroll road all over him to me for some reason. And, and to, to see Devin Witherspoon's or to hear Devin Witherspoon's name, I I thought it was a good pick. I think it makes sense. Um, I, I personally think they got the pick right. It was just surprising. Yeah, and I, I think it's a great fit for Seattle. So they have uh, Witherspoon now on one side and Tariq Woolen on the other. So a couple of not only good corners with great technique, but bigger guys. Um, so I, I think it's a great fit, and I think Seattle uh, made a really good pick there. Yeah, and then uh, the sixth pick was supposed to be Detroit. Obviously, Arizona trading back up uh, after they moved back to 12. Um, they take Paris Johnson Jr. at six. I got excited. Um, uh, what, did you guys, <laughs> what did you guys think about this? So – I, I thought it was a good pick. I, I, you know, he was most people's top tackle. So I understand the pick. I will say it was, again, another surprise, not because of the player that was selected here, but because of the trade. Like, I, I'm assuming that, you know, maybe the Lions really weren't interested in Devin Witherspoon like we all pegged him to be. And then once he was no longer there, that really opened the door for them to make this trade. I, you know, I'd like – It'd be interesting to know if Devin Witherspoon wasn't the selection at five. Does this trade happen at six? Yeah. Um, 
but I, I don't know if I can remember a time where I have I just don't remember it, but I know it's at least not common that a team, you know, trades up from for example, from three to twelve and then and then back up another six slots up to six. So they I mean, you just don't see you don't see that happen very often. So I thought that was that was interesting. I think what that probably tells you is, hey, you know, I, I heard that Paris Johnson was going to be their pick at three, but it was one of those things where the Texans came with this offer, and as we discussed, they probably just thought this is too much for us to pass up on. We got to get this, or we got to make this trade, knowing that we might eventually have to make a move if we want to get our guy, or we might just have to be okay with missing on our guy and go to our next guy be, because we just can't pass up on the draft or the trade uh, price that the the Texans are offering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they didn't have to give near as much to get up from 12 to 6. So, I mean, if Paris Johnson is their best tackle, I, I think it's a tremendous fit. Um, just keep in mind that Paris Johnson's six foot six, so Kyler might need a step stool or something back there to throw up <laughs> over him. But uh, better be uh, rolling him out a lot. Yeah, but how, how tall is Caleb Williams? That's what we really need to know. <laughs> hey, hey now, hey now. <laughs> We're on to something. <laughs> No, I I think it was a good pick there by the Cardinals, though. Again, another great move. All right. Uh, So we'll go to seven to the Raiders. Um, I think this this pick here, they take Tyree Wilson um, out of uh, Texas Tech. This is probably just because Will Anderson's gone, and maybe this is probably the next best available defensive end uh, edge rush guy. Would you guys agree with that there? I would agree. I, I mean, I thought that Christian Gonzalez was very much so in play here. Yeah. So, you know, and obviously we know now that Christian Gonzalez fell. He went to like pick 17 to, to the Patriots. So I don't know if there's something going on there that some, that, you know, some of these teams know that we don't know as fans or if, you know, just the Christian Gonzalez hype that we've been hearing from, from analysts and from mock drafts and, and post combine, uh, hype, so to speak, is was just overrated. But yes, I mean, I think they got the best edge rusher clearly in this draft, outside of outside of Will Anderson, and they they're in a division where they need to get after the quarterback. Wilson's an interesting player to me because he feels like one of those prospects that's either going to be a multi multi time Pro Bowler or he's going to be a complete bust. So I'm interested to see how he pans out for the Raiders. All right, here, here's what I've been waiting on. <laughs> Number eight, the Dirty Birds, Bijan Robinson out of Texas, the running back. Zach, I've been waiting to ask you all this all day. Yeah. <laughs> what was your initial reaction here? Uh, uh, my initial reaction was this doesn't surprise me, um, <laughs> along with the mixed emotions of I just, I just can't get behind this decision from an organizational standpoint. I just I just don't it's just hard. It's hard for me to it's hard for me to back this. It's hard for me to think that this pick is what's best for your franchise. Yeah, and is this guy like that good? Yeah, he is. He he is that good. I I do believe he is that good. Yes. Okay. And if this was the 19 you know 98 NFL draft, oh great. You can even bump him up a few spots, but in 2023, I don't know. Can they use him in a variety of ways? I would say so. 
Just okay. give him the ball and block for him and get out of the way. That's or don't block for him based off the film that I saw. It don't really matter. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I guess the follow-up question, is he is he that much ahead of, say, a Jameer Gibbs? Oh, absolutely. Depends okay. on who you ask. If you ask the Lions, then no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to ask the Lions because – that's the track record, but uh, <laughs> so Bijan goes number eight to the Falcons, um, and then at number nine, uh, that, that was Chicago. Uh, to start tonight, Philly jumps up there <clears throat> and they take Jalen Carter. And now the Eagles have become the uh, Georgia Bulldogs, and they added more later on in the night. But uh, what do you guys think of this here? I, I thought it was a great pick. I know that we we know that they're. You know, at least from an outside an outsider looking in, there appears to be some pretty uh, noticeable red flags in terms of character. While uh, you know they're going to have a much better feel for those things as they've they've obviously met him, talked to him, interviews, etc. But I mean, they are a they're I mean, simply put, they're loaded roster that might have just added the best pure player in the NFL or in the NFL draft this season. So. It's a great pick. I did think it was interesting that they traded from nine to ten. Maybe they thought the Bears were going to take him, or or I don't know if they thought it was going to be the Bears, or if they they thought someone would else would jump up to nine. I I did think it was interesting that they traded up one spot to make this selection, as uh, you know the Bears were the Bears were rumored to to maybe be interested. They were also rumored to be interested in offense tackle, which they ended up getting with the next pick. So I think it's one of those trades that worked out pretty well for both parties. Okay. Yeah, I I think the Bears were going tackle at nine all the way. Darnell Wright is who I had them uh, getting in my mock. And then, you know, I think the Eagles just couldn't wait anymore. I don't think they thought Jalen Carter was going to fall that far. And I think once they saw him on the board at nine, they just couldn't take it anymore. And I kind of like what Zach said, I don't know if they thought it was going to be the Bears, but maybe somebody else trying to trade up there. So they move up one spot get their guy and the bears drop back a spot, pick up extra capital and still get their guy. So I think a good deal for both teams. And uh, like Zach said, the Eagles get a great player. And uh, I mean, that's what the Eagles have done in the past couple drafts. I think they have the best roster in football and uh, they add to it again. Yeah. Okay. The next two, I'm going to kind of merge together here. You had the bears taking Darnell right at 10 and then the Titans taking Peter Skaronsky at 11. Um, Brady, you had Darnell Wright going to the Bears. Um, Zach, you kind of seem like you you like Skaronsky a little better than Darnell Wright. I I was basing that solely off of I seen Skaronsky go higher in mock drafts. He wasn't a guy that I've really watched much. Same for Darnell Wright. So I was just kind of projecting that based off of what I saw. I did see the occasional draft, though, where Darnell Wright went higher. So it's not like I thought there was no chance Wright goes higher. Okay. Um, actually, I know standing in the garage when the when the pick was about to be made, Brady standing there telling me, yep, this is Darnell Wright. I got Darnell Wright mocked here, you know, sticking his chest out a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're probably right. And and I, I think that, I mean, they need a true – I started to hear these this inside these in, inside offensive linemen or interior offensive linemen rumors out of Skaronsky or about Skaronsky that Brady Brady mentioned on last episode and 
And I hadn't heard that before. So once he said that, that was, that kind of got my, you know, kind of got me thinking. And then, yeah, I mean, they need a true tackle. So if, if there are these concerns with Skaronsky, then right makes more sense to me for them as they need a true offense, left tackle to, to protect Fields' blind side. Yeah, and then I think Skaronsky then at 11 is a good fit for uh, the Titans. You know, coming from Northwestern, just a tough, smart guy. I think he kind of fits uh, Coach Vrabel's mold there in Tennessee. So and I think it was a pretty good value getting him at pick 11. Yeah, and then uh, so were we a little surprised they didn't go uh, Will Levis here at 11? Yes, I was surprised that it wasn't Will Levis. I didn't expect him to be available there. So when he was and they were on the clock, I kind of figured that's who they'd take. Yeah, I mean, what? gosh, I, I don't know. I think I was surprised at the time, but looking back, it was like, man, once the Levis slide started, it was kind of like what I thought was going to happen with Anthony Richardson. Like, because I thought Levis was going in the top four. I didn't see a team for uh, Richardson if he didn't get picked. Well, Richardson goes four, and then it's like, man, I, I just don't see a team that's going to want Will Levis. And, I mean, ultimately, he ends up sliding out of the first round. Definitely could have seen the Titans taking him there at 11, but they end up getting him in the second round. Yeah. Yep. Um, just, we don't have to go through all these picks, but Jameer Gibbs goes next to, to Detroit. Um, was that a little shocking? Kind of caught me off guard. I don't know that I really had had Detroit go in that direction, but uh, what did you guys think about that? I thought Gibbs that early was very shocking. Okay. I I was like I'm a big Jameer Gibbs fan. I watched him quite a bit this past year. Um, he he's a real deal, but I just thought the Lions completely botched the first round. <laughs> like, so like, what bad. You, like what are you doing? So so they trade they trade down from six to twelve with the Cardinals, and they take a running back at twelve. Which like okay maybe, but if you're like if you are dead set on a running back. Why not just go get the best running back in Bijan Robinson and stay at number six? That's what didn't make any sense to me. Now the Lions' sense of came out and said we would have taken Gibbs if we'd have stayed at six, which that would have been even crazier. But I mean, they definitely could have gotten Gibbs at eighteen and could have gotten a better player at twelve, in my opinion. So they take Gibbs at twelve, and then at eighteen they take a linebacker and Jack Campbell from Iowa. Again, really good player, but I think they could have gotten him in the second round. So they go with two first-round picks, really good opportunities to bolster their roster, which they've done a great job with the past few years. And they take running back and linebacker, which are arguably the two um, least valuable positions or most easily replaceable positions in in the NFL. So it, it really blew my mind what the Lions were doing. If yeah. – if we're if we're standing together on draft day and and they're on the clock at twelve, and you were to make me a wager that this pick was going to be Jameer Gibbs, especially that this pick was going to be Jameer Gibbs, or maybe even that this pick is going to be anything other than Christian Gonzalez, I would have I would have been, well, I'd have been screwed. I'd have lost. I'd have been able to lose a lot of money. I mean, I, I thought for sure this was a no brainer. This is Christian Gonzalez. They were going to get Devin Witherspoon. That you know that sizzled out right in front of them. Now they're trading back. They're getting some some extra draft capital, and then they're walking away with the second best corner in this draft. Like that's 
Well, that's it, a great situation for the Lions. And, and then they do this. Uh, sorry, 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 Zach, catch you off there a little bit. But especially with, you know, them trading away Jeff Okuda, like, yes. I definitely thought they were going DB, especially. Yes. Cole. So, and, yeah. I mean, not only that, but they paid David Montgomery earlier this spring, and they gave him a three-year, $18 million contract, which David Montgomery is okay. I I think he's an average NFL running back, and that's that's a pretty decent contract for a running back, especially when you have guys like Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette right now just sitting there looking for work, and you're going to draft a guy at number 12. It just didn't make any sense to me. Well, not only that, at this point, they still had uh, DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Yeah. Well, clear, clearly they don't want him because they gave him away <laughs> for a bag of popcorn. <laughs> we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, uh, we'll skip down a little bit, guys. And, and Brady, um, talk about your Patriots a little bit. I think they get a, a really good corner, uh, Christian Gonzalez, at the 17 pick. I love it, man. I love it. Normally, the Patriots. Well, first of all, they did trade down from 14, yeah, 14. which yeah. no surprise there. But normally the Patriots, this is normally what happens for them. There's two or three guys there, and you're like, oh, these guys have fallen. Just take one of them. And then they take some guy from, you know, Mount Union, like we talked about on the last <laughs> podcast. But yeah. uh, they finally got it right. And I, I haven't seen anything that really sticks out to me on why Christian Gonzalez has fell the way he did. Um but I'm I'm pretty excited about having him as a Patriot. What do you think about that, Zach? I, I think there are two picks in this first round that, to me, are the clear-cut best picks of the round, and I, I'm struggling to rank which one I find better. That is Christian Gonzalez at 17, and that is Nolan Smith at 30. They, I just... I don't know what to say. I don't understand how this happened. I am mind blown that the Washington Commanders draft Emmanuel Forbes. I mean, Emmanuel Forbes is like, he's like 5'5", 120 pounds or something like that. <laughs> like, I just don't understand how they're drafting Emmanuel Forbes above Christian Gonzalez. They got they got Emmanuel Forbes listed at 6'1", 166. Whatever. You know, potato, potato, <laughs> weight wise, it's not, I, he's taller than I, than I realized. I will say that, but, but he, he's, man, he's just small. It's a, that's a small dude to try to cover some of these, you know, some of these big guys. I mean, there's a guy, there's a guy over there that catches balls for, for Philadelphia, uh, by the name of AJ Brown. He's going to be hard to cover if you weigh 166 pounds. I, I agree. I agree. I, I, I just, I, it, it blew my mind. It, it, you know, it's like, oh, yep, there's the commanders being the commanders. Does your landscaping need an upgrade this year? Look no further than TNT Springer Landscaping. They specialize in mulch, rock, trim redesign, and much more. For your next landscaping project, choose TNT Springer Landscaping. Contact Tony Springer at 419-910-0742 to make your landscaping vision a reality. Uh, let's skip down a little bit. JSN. Uh, heading to Seattle, first wide receiver off the board. And then did, did teams just start to panic and start taking receiver? Were we just in a group of teams that, that need a receiver right there? I mean, what happened? We had four picks <laughs> in a row there. So I got a, a fun slash funny little draft, draft day story for you. So 
I made a I made a FanDuel's wager on the over. Brady and I both made this same wager uh, on on the over at three and a half wide receivers drafted in the first round. Okay, so midway through the first round, uh, a guy I work with who's watching the draft with us and a couple other people are like, man, it's not looking good for your for your wager. Twentieth overall, bam, and Jigba comes off the board. I'm like, well, let's talk about the pick for one. He, in my opinion, he is the best wide receiver in this class, and I think. I think that's by a decent margin, and I think he is definitely the best wide receiver for this roster. I think he he complements a DK Metcalf perfectly. Uh, and Jigba's a guy that's going to see high volume when via routes and in and, and the slot and, and stuff like that, to where DK isn't a, necessarily a great runner, great route runner. He's a big-bodied guy, got some physical uh, tools in terms of speed and size that really help him excel outside in, in fewer targets or at least fewer receptions. Um, however, so to go back to the story, the Seattle Seahawks select uh, Njigba here, and I'm like, hey, look at the next three teams, though. Every one of these teams have constantly been mocked to draft a wide receiver. And then, bam, all three of them do it. So four in a row, I win my draft or my fan duel bet. But I thought it was a great pick for Seattle. I thought they got a great player. Yeah, and everybody was happy, man. But uh, I, I really like the pick from Seattle. I think he's a really good fit there uh, opposite DK Metcalf and along with Tyler Lockett. Might play in the slot for them a little bit this year, I'm guessing. Um, but I thought, you know, this pick, you couple this JSM pick at 20 with the Witherspoon pick at 5 for Seattle, and I thought they had a great first round because a lot of people had them mocked going a quarterback in round one, and that just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Nope. They were – a team that had a winning record a year ago, uh, nine and eight. Um, you know they're a playoff team, and so I drafting a quarterback to wait a year or two didn't make a lot of sense to me. I think they're a playoff team, and they go and get a couple nice pieces to add to their already pretty solid roster. Yeah, I'm interested to see what you guys think about the uh, Jordan Addison pick by the Vikings um, to go on their go with uh, Justin Jefferson there. What do you guys think of that? I, I mean, it. Uh, I think it's a good pick. Uh, I He is a guy that I haven't been terribly high on. I, I just, you know, I look at what he did last season. I understand there was an injury there, but I just, he didn't seem, and he did it with the best quarterback in football. It, and Caleb Williams, in my opinion, like I just, I expected more. So I thought it was a somewhat underwhelming season cooped with some injuries or an injury. It, it, so hard to, hard to knock him too much. I guess if, you know, if you're hurt, you're hurt, but I think he compliments Justin Jefferson very well. The thing about Justin Jefferson is they could have picked in Jigba, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, Jordan Asset. It doesn't matter. And I'm sitting here saying, well, I think this guy compliments Justin Jefferson well because Justin Jefferson's that dang good. I mean, he he can do it all. He can. So I think this is a good pick for them. Um, and I think it gives Kirk Cousins a much needed wide receiver, too. And well, outside of KJ Osborne, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think the Addison pick's really good. I think Addison came into this whole process kind of underrated just because of he kind of underwhelmed this year. I think expectations were really high for him at USC. 
and he did have nagging injuries the whole year. The year before Pittsburgh, man, he was unbelievable, and I would have mm-hmm. guessed for sure he would have been a top 10 uh, pick this year um, over a year ago. So I think it's a good value for the Vikings at 23. There's not a lot of flashiness in his game, but he's just really solid, good route runner. I think he's a perfect fit there in Minnesota. All right. First tight end off the board, I want to talk about that, guys. Dalton Kincaid uh, to the Bills. Uh, Good fit for them? Uh, I don't know. Are they going to use him? (laughs) That's That's kind of what I thought. I mean, it's one of those things where the the player in terms of the caliber of player for the, where he went was was a very valuable it was a good pick but but you also got to be willing and able to change your offense for this guy i mean you you can't draft this player in the first round and, and then just utilize him the same way you're utilizing Dawson Knox like you need to make this guy a part of your offense now i i wonder if they weren't you know, they weren't – I mean, I feel like they were wanting a wide receiver. Maybe the run threw them off. I don't know because, correct me if I'm wrong, they did trade up to make this pick, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so they trade up with, what, Jacksonville, I believe, to make this this selection. So, I mean, they went and got, they got a guy that they like, obviously. And, and I think they got a very talented guy and a guy that can, can help this offense. But you just got to prove to me that you're able to and willing to utilize him. I think it was a good pick. The thing that surprised me about this pick was they already have Dawson Knox, who they're paying. I mean, he's a top, I think he's the seventh highest paid tight end in the NFL. Um, so to spend first round capital on tight end kind of surprised me, but I do think it's a great pick. I think he'll play out of the slot for them and he will be very good. Um, wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the year he's turning into really Josh Allen's number two option behind Stephon Diggs. So I, I actually like the pick for the Bills. And I think Kincaid is a really, really good player. Okay. Zach, your Bengals. Miles yep. Murphy out of Clemson, defensive end, edge rush guy. What did you think here? I, I love the pick. Uh, there were a couple ways I thought we could have went, all of which I would have liked. Um, so Brady can, can confirm this. We're on the clock, and I'm saying I want one of three players. I want Miles Murphy. I want Nolan Smith, uh, or I want uh, Notre Dame Mayor. And I actually threw in Porter's name as well, as all those were positions of need. In no particular order, those were one of those four guys is who I wanted. Uh, I thought any of them fit our team. I thought any of them fit our needs. Uh, to me, they made, they made a great choice in grabbing. I mean, you can never have too many edge rushers in today's league. Right. And and this guy, not that he was projected to go in the top ten or twelve by any means, but I know Daniel Jeremiah had him ranked as like his twenty I want to say his twenty first best player on the board or in the draft. So I was happy with the pick. You know, we ranked, I want to say twenty ninth in the NFL in sacks this past season. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense and I think I I think you know, we got some much needed depth at, at Ed Rusher. Yeah, it, it it was a good pick for the Bengals, as much as I hate to admit it. Uh, Zach, I I, th- I think I do remember him rattling off that list of three or four players that he wanted the Bengals to draft, even though 
I mean, pick 28, it was kind of late in the night, and I was kind of tired of listening to him at that point. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. But I, I, I do think Murphy is a good fit there for the Bengals. Um, you got to get after the quarterbacks in the AFC with so many good ones, Mahomes, Allen, uh, Trevor Lawrence, you name it. So, I mean, that uh, that's a good pick by the Bengals. All right. And then uh, Nolan Smith going to Philly. Zach, you said you, you mentioned that earlier that you, you love this pick. Yes, I mean, this This is a guy that was ranked much higher than this. This is a guy that dominated the combine, which sometimes probably gets overplayed. I get that. But an edge rusher that is, is very physically gifted, like that's, you know, that's not – and that's something that's very much so desired, I guess. So he was ranked pretty high on, on most people's boards. I've seen him mocked as early as uh, somewhere around the, the 14, 15 range, I think, 13 range, somewhere in that area. Mm-hmm. So so for him to be available at 30 and then on top of that, for it to be the, the Eagles who are already loaded, already got Jalen Carter. You know, he's, he's reunited with his, with his college teammate and Jalen Carter. I thought – I thought they, I thought they nailed it. I said this. It's between this and the Christian Gonzalez pick for me is which pick was the best pick in the first round of, of the draft. All right, yeah. that, go ahead, Brady. Yeah, yeah, that was a good pick by the Eagle. I don't remember Nolan Smith or a lot about him to be honest. I know that he was ranked much higher than what he got drafted there at pick thirty. So I mean, once again, the Eagles add two Georgia Bulldogs, which, I mean, Georgia the past few years has looked like a pro uh, like, like a pro defense. So uh, really, really good first round by Philly again. And they'll, they'll be right there probably as favorites in the NFC next year. Brady, I'll say this about Nolan Smith. I remember him more from not this past season, but the one before. Yes, agreed. On that Georgia Bulldog defense. I believe maybe he was a guy that also kind of dealt with some injury this year. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a good pick, and, and like I said, they're just loading up with the Bulldogs on uh, on defense there, so I think we're going to call them the uh, Philadelphia Bulldogs. Yeah, that's kinda like, about right, man. Kind of like we got the New Orleans Buckeyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> they didn't get any this year, though. They did not. They did not. I don't want to talk. We don't have to jump much into the second round, but uh, Will Levis finally goes – uh, Tennessee trades up a little bit. They second pick in the second round uh, to Tennessee, so they finally get their guy. Um, obviously shocked he stuck around this long, but how big was that for Tennessee for him to still be in play um, on Friday night? And then you know what was the need to really go up and get him? I, you know I'm not sure exactly what they gave up, but uh, good move by the Titans, I think. What do you guys think about it? I agree. I mean, I, Ryan Tannehill has not impressed me the last season or two. I know he's battled some injuries, but uh, you know, he as you get older, you know, it's not it's not easier to stay healthy by any means. So I, I think I think it was a a great choice. Like I said earlier, I thought he was very so in place at eleven when they were on the clock. So to so to say he's going to be able to you're going to be able to select him at thirty three to me is a great value. I will say I heard that they were looking to trade up in the back half of the first round. I don't know if I brought it up on on the last podcast or not, but I I know I said it probably at least ten times during the draft on Thursday night. Is that someone's probably going to want to move up and get Levis while it's still in the first round, as that gives you the fifth year option. 
And of course, the quarterbacks are much cheaper on that fifth-year option than they are once you have to give them a new contract, assuming that they're a quarterback that you still want around, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so I kind of thought it was going to get ugly day two. Like, with Levis not going day one, I was like, oh, boy, like, this is going to get really bad for him. Like, Hendon Hooker's going to go above him, and I I thought he was going to slide to the back of round two or even into round three. Um, Didn't happen. He goes early round two. I'm a big Ryan Tannehill fan because I think that he's really turned his career around, dealt with a lot of adversity early, um, and kind of rebuilt and revamped his game. And I think Will Levis is a similar type prospect to Tannehill. So I think it'll be good for Levis to take at least the first part of this year to sit behind him and learn um, how to be a professional. It it appears that Will Levis could use some of that. Um, And then I'm guessing he does get a shot. At some at some point this year, <laughs> what's so funny, Zach? <laughs> we Brady and I had a few talks about about Will Levis and his uh, uh, attitude or demeanor, so to speak, at the draft on Thursday night. So it doesn't surprise me that he said that. Um, he's probably not wrong either. I just found it humorous. <laughs> Speaking of Will Levis, going back to Thursday night, guys, can <laughs> can either one of you? I think I figured it out. I think by the end of the night, it was a brunette that was sitting by him. But which one was his woman? He had about three good-looking ladies sitting around him all night. Yeah, it was the one in the red dress. The brunette? Uh, Yes, I believe she was a brunette. Okay. (laughs) It just took me a while to figure it out. I look over one time, and he's sitting with a blonde, and there's a brunette. I just I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) <laughs> all right <laughs> let's move on good draft it was fun I, i'll be honest i had a lot going on saturday so i didn't watch rounds four through seven at all zach did you watch the the entirety of the draft i did not i watched the entirety of rounds one through three and then i had a work outing i was at a i was at a 10 caps double header on saturday so i did not watch any of rounds four, five, or six, and I caught, I don't know, maybe the second half of round seven or maybe all of round seven, somewhere in that area. Okay. Brady, how about you? Yeah, I was kind of in and out all day on Saturday, so I, I didn't see all of it. I did see a lot of it, though. Saturday turned out to be a pretty nice day, so I just had some things I wanted to get done. Right, right. So, uh, missed, missed a lot of that, but uh, pretty good draft. Um, and, you know, I'm going to go through, let's talk about some winners and losers. Uh, throughout the whole draft. So, Zach, I'll start with you. Who was the big – we'll start with the loser. Who is the big loser Ooh. of the so, draft? Okay, so I, I'll touch. I'll try to touch on them quickly because I noted four teams that I thought were losers, and I'll, I'll just give the gist of why I think so. The Cowboys, um, you know, their first O-lineman wasn't selected until the fifth round. Their first wide receiver wasn't selected until the seventh round. Um, they, they're catching a lot of flack, flack for, for drafting. Was it wasn't Mozzie Smith out of Michigan in the first round. Like, well, their yep. defensive line's great. Yeah. Their, their pass rush is great. Their run stops not. So I don't think that's as bad as, as bad of a pick as people like to believe, but they definitely need to protect Dak and, and they need someone to, for him to throw the ball to not name CD lamb. So I really expected them to address, especially that wide rec- wide receiver position a little sooner than that. Uh, the dolphins, I mean, they had four total picks. I mean, that's just, you know, the, the Tom Brady situation, they forfeit their first rounder. And then they only have four picks. And then the first pick that they do make falls in the second round in the draft a corner. 
It's like you you have Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey. You there's nowhere else you could have went with that pick. I, I mean, for example, Zach Charbonnet falls the very next pick. By the way, I thought it was one of the more intriguing picks in the entire draft. The Seahawks drafting Charbonnet after having Ken Walker, but but you know he goes the very next pick, and, and your your <laughs> running backs are uh, what he Mostert. Uh, I mean, come on. So I thought that was not a not a great job. The Commanders, as I mentioned, Forbes in the first round was, I mean, to me it seemed like a reach. They grabbed uh, Martin in the second round. He had a third round grade from everything I'm seeing, so a big reach there as well. And then the Bills, I touched on the Dawson or not the Dawson Knox, but the Dalton Kincaid situation. You know, they they draft him first round. Uh, he's a great player to go there and make sense, but are they going to be able to utilize him or be willing to utilize him? They didn't get any real wide receiver help. They drafted one in the, I don't know, late rounds. I don't even remember his name. And they didn't give any running back help. Maybe I have been doubting uh, Cook too much. Brady probably thinks that I have been. Uh, so maybe this is positive things for James Cook. I don't know. <laughs> Brady, what do you think? Losers. Uh, Lions and Texans for me. Texans just because they have to bank now on Will Anderson being an absolute stud for eight to ten years, I think, for that trade to be worth it. Um, and then the Lions just for kind of the puzzling day one. Day two was better. I do like uh, Sam Laporta out of Iowa. I think he's a nice tight end. They picked up Brian Branch, the safety from Bama that had fallen. Uh, they got him in about mid-second round and then also added Hendon Hooker, which I think – was worth a flyer for them, although it appears like Jared Goff might be their guy um, for the foreseeable future. But um, I thought they left a lot on the table with those two round one selections. So uh, I would say the Lions definitely one of the losers in my eyes. I, I agree. I actually had the Lions marked down <clears throat> as losers because of their first two picks, as you discussed. But I, I really thought they nailed day two. Yeah, You know, all the guys that you just said on top of that, they, they drafted Broderick Martin with the compensatory pick in the third round I out of Georgia – or, sorry, Western Kentucky. I thought that was a – I thought that was a good pick. And so I, I think their day two really helped kind of bring them closer to whatever's in between winner and loser type of thing. All right, Brady, I'll go right back to you here. Uh, big winners of the draft. Who do you like here? Arizona Cardinals, Brett. Woo! Number one in my eyes. Turn it up some. (laughs) Rise up, Red Sea. (laughs) I I really think they killed it. And once again, I mean, I I think they were just solid through the middle of the draft, just made some decent picks to pick up some depth. But just everything they did at the beginning and picking up that Texans first-round pick, is going to be one of those things a, a year from now where we look back at that and it's going to be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe the Cardinals somehow got that pick. Zach? So uh, as uh, as I did with losers, I have four winners. Eagles, you know, I, I have noted two top 16 guys, Nolan Smith and, and Jalen Carter. They we discussed great. them enough. Uh, the Seahawks, I think they got the top corner and Devin Witherspoon. I think they got the top wide receiver and Jigba. Uh, we, we, again, we've discussed both of those guys. <laughs> the next team that I have listed is Cardinals. And my, and my notes read, and I quote, top offensive tackle and draft capital for days. All so right. <laughs> I, as of now, they hold 
this is their draft capital for next next year's draft. Two firsts, one second, three thirds. Now, it should be noted, those two firsts, as we've already discussed, are theirs and the Texans, which should be early. Three thirds. One's theirs, should be early. And, and one of them is the Texans, should be early. I don't remember whose the other one is. Uh, two fourths, two fifths, and a seventh. So just a lot of draft capital. I think there's a very good chance that we look back, you know, in a year, we look back and think, man, that pick alone was worth more than Will Anderson, let alone the fact that they got other things on top of it. Now, we could be wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe the Texans some, surprise some people and win more ball games than, than we're thinking. I just, I just don't see it. And then, and then as much as this is absolutely pains me to say, I have the Steelers. I don't know that there was a team that had a better for, first four picks to start the draft in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, you know, to, to land offensive tackle help, uh, they got Porter to start the second round. Uh, they get that, was it Benton in the third round? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then and then Darnell Washington, who, you know, he, he started to really drop. And from what I'm hearing, it's a knee issue. So I think that's an interesting thing we haven't discussed is this is a guy that was projected. I've seen go as high as Cincinnati at 28 overall. And they grabbed this guy in the uh, some point in the third round, and, and it appears to be because of a medical. But I, I hate to compliment the Steelers, but I think they did a great job. Not only third round, like late third round, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, he was. The Steelers did do well. Um, Brett, being a Cardinals fan is just going to be so fun because this year is going to be rough. Like, it's going to be bad. And, and I think you can just expect that going in. Because I don't know when Kyler is going to be back. Like, I see him missing at least 8 to 10, maybe 12 games, just with what I've read on his ACL injury. So, it's going to be bad. And then either he's going to play late in the year, and and you'll see how he's progressed or recovered or not. I mean, it really doesn't matter because at that point, you're going to have an early pick. The Texans pick is going to be early. I like Stroud, but, I mean, he's not going to light the world on fire in year one with that roster and that organization. So you're looking at two really early picks um, in a class where there's a couple really highly acclaimed quarterbacks coming in next year, Drake May and Caleb Williams, and you already have one in Kyler, so you have some flexibility there. You can trade one of the picks for a haul. You can trade Kyler for a haul and take one of those quarterbacks. I mean, it's – it's going to be a lot of fun for you, man. <coughs> I'm excited. So to answer the question of those that ask me, yeah, I'm staying in Arizona. I would stay. <laughs> I would stay put, man. So hey, I will say I am rooting for CJ, yes. and I and, and I always have a, a spot for Houston, I guess. But I just I can't I can't get myself to root for that franchise anymore. So I do have a thought uh, that just kind of came to me for the first time while Brady was discussing that situation. So I agree that Kyler is probably out the first half of the season um, plus. Okay, so let's say, you know, fast forward a little a little bit here and we are even eight games in, you know, and the Cardinals are sitting at, I mean, without Kyler Murray, it's hard oh, for me eight. to imagine they're a 500 team. <laughs> yeah, I think two and six, and obviously I don't know their schedule, but two and six seems very much so within the range of outcomes for for an errors or for a, a Kyler Murray list Cardinals roster. Okay, let alone if it's not weeks, 10, you know, ten or twelve, where their their records even more 
lopsided and, and you're approaching mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. What, what do you do with Kyler? Because there's a couple things. For one, it's easy to say, oh, you don't play him because you don't want to risk him getting hurt when there's, when there's no benefit, which if Kyler's your guy and that's what you believe, then I understand that. But I think the Cardinals would be fools. And, and you know, this is, you know, May, May, what, May 1st, 2023. So this is way too early to probably be making this statement. But I think the Cardinals would be fools to not at least consider Caleb Williams if they are, in fact, to get the number one overall pick next season. So do you want to display Kyler Murray a little bit and at least, at least let no team, let teams know that, hey, this guy's healthy? Um, you know, come get him because he's portrayed because we're going to draft Caleb Williams. Interesting. Interesting. That That's a brutal situation. Like, I don't know what the Cardinals do in that spot if they have the number one pick next year because on one hand, you have Caleb Williams coming in who's literally the highest-rated quarterback prospect. I mean, I think there's higher expectations for him than there were for Trevor Lawrence just a couple of years ago. Like, mm-hmm. like the hype's going to get ridiculous. But then you have Kyler, who's already proven that, I mean, he is an above-average NFL quarterback, and I, I don't think he's really tapped into what his ceiling could be yet. Um, and I know that there's been, you know, some maturity issues about Kyler, but I think there's some of that also with Caleb Williams with the fingernail paint and all that drama that kind of has gone on with him. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I mean, really, like, I, that is just a fascinating scenario. Yeah. I'll be honest, guys. Kyler does some things that I don't love sometimes. Oh yeah. And there's some th- there's some other plays that he makes that I'm like, wow. Like I don't I don't know that many guys can make that play. More For sure. He, more so with his feet or extending plays and whatnot. But uh, so I don't know where I stand. I don't know where I stand with him. It's it's like you take the good with the bad. If. If Caleb Williams comes out next season, and I'm not saying he's got to be the Heisman winner and win the national championship and this and that, but if Caleb Williams comes out and is a Heisman finalist and still continues to look like the best player in college football, especially the best quarterback in college football, the hype continues to build. Man, it would be it would be hard for me to say that the right move is not to select Caleb Williams and then move on from Caleb. I'll say this. I'll say this, Zach, real quick. Sorry to interrupt you, Brady. He can be a Heisman finalist all you want, but he just can't win it because I can't afford to to have Archie share that with somebody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we can never root for anybody to win it. Um, I, I don't want to overreact on Caleb Williams, but I watched him quite a few Saturday nights last year, staying up late and watching Pac-12 games. Sure. He looks like... I, I don't want to say it. He is one of, I'll say, one of the best college quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. Like, he's mobile, he's accurate, and he has an absolute cannon for an arm, and he makes really good decisions. Like, the, the hype is just going to be out of hand if he does anything even close to what he did this year again. I agree. Agreed. Agree. Um, Okay, guys, what else we got here? Uh, let's let's touch on some teams here. Now, we talked about Arizona already. Uh, Zach, how do you think your uh, your Bengals fared in the draft here moving forward? 
Looking for a high-quality detailing service? Check out Stoller Shine Detailing, located on the outskirts of Paulding. Stoller Shine Detailing has a variety of options for interior-exterior detailing. Whether your ride is new, used, or abused, Stoller Shine Detailing strives for highest quality results and treat each vehicle as their own. To schedule an appointment, go to StollerShineDetailing.com or contact owner and operator Logan Stoller at 419-770-1042. Check out Stoller Shine Detailing on Facebook. I thought the Bengals had a great draft. They, you know, you know, typical Bengals fashion, they did there was no splash plays. You know, they're not trading up and in drafting a guy or, or this or that, but we already discussed the Miles Murphy pick and, and how, how good of a pick I believe that was. You know, then you then go into the second round and you draft DJ Turner out of Michigan while uh you know I you know he plays for Michigan, so there's that. But but ultimately he's a he's a good player. He's he's the fastest I think he had the fastest forty time in the entire combine this season. You know, he's he seems like a good replacement for Eli Apple. And at this point, I got to assume that he's got a higher ceiling even than Eli Apple. Um, And and hopefully he's not a Twitter warrior like Eli Apple. That would be nice too. Um, Hopefully, yeah. uh, You know, then the third round to grab Jordan Battle. I mean, we we lost Von Bell. We lost Jesse Bates. You're going to have Dax Hill hopefully step up. First round pick last year, also out of Michigan. So, I you know I hope he steps up. We had Cam Taylor Britt step up, but ultimately you can never have too many defensive backs in today's league. Um, I've heard a lot of good news about about the pick, a lot of good vibes in terms of the Bengals making that pick there, and, and people liking the battle pick. I, I I'd be lying if I said I watched him play much uh, a game here or a game there. That's about it. Uh, then you you. You go Charlie Jones, who who's a good slot guy. Maybe we lose Tyler Boyd here soon. Once you have to start paying Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and maybe even T. Higgins, you know, money starts to get scarce. So you got to start getting some positions in the draft or filling some positions in the draft that you you know you're just not willing to pay or able to pay some some veterans. Um, Chase Brown, we needed a running back, running back out of Illinois in the fifth round. I like the pick. I really thought there was a good chance the Bengals were going to address the running back position earlier. So I, I thought that was interesting. That tells me there's some confidence in Joe Mixon, I would say, for at least one more season there. Uh, then you round out with another wide receiver, a punter, and another DB out of uh, out of Miami I honestly never heard of. So, um, I mean, just, just basing off of positions and this and that, I thought we did a pretty good job. I'm very, I'm very excited with the draft this season. Overall draft grade. A minus. A minus. Giving Arizona an A plus, are you? Uh, uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Woohoo. Hope you're right. Brady, what do you think the Bengals here? Solid. Really solid. Kind of what Zach said. I mean that they hit a lot of positions in need. I, I don't think they made any outrageous picks so i really solid draft okay great oh um i don't know it 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 didn't (laughs) blow me i mean it didn't blow me away either i that's hard like a letter grade yeah i gotta give you a letter grade b plus b plus 
giving Arizona an A plus, I imagine. They get an A plus today just because of how <laughs> valuable those picks are going to be, but they're going to have to do the right things with those picks. I yeah. mean, that like like there's going to be a lot of pressure on the organization to make the right moves with the quarterback position and those picks. So I mean, that could go from like an A plus to a D plus like fairly quick <laughs> if they do the wrong way. Don't don't tell me that. <laughs> All right, let's go to the Patriots. Brady, I'll start with you. What do you think here? Good I dri- loved it, man. I loved it. What what one of the best Patriots like? So here's what you have to remember: Belichick has really bombed in the last several drafts. Like hasn't been great at all. This draft feels pretty promising. You get Christian Gonzalez at 17, which absolute steal. They normally mess up the first round, so to see them stay relatively put, only trade down three spots, and then take a top 10 talent like that clears. That's great. Then they get Keon White from Georgia Tech in the second round, who they have came out and said was in consideration for them at 17, which I'm not surprised at all because that would have been a very Patriot-like pick for them to select this guy who's like a clear day two pick at 17. Luckily, they didn't do that, and they still get him at uh, 46 overall. A lot of versatility there for him, and he'll be a good edge rusher, I think. And then the rest of the draft was just kind of okay, very Patriot-like. They get guys from these smaller schools. Like, they took a linebacker from Sacramento State. They took a kid from Troy. Um, and then day three, they took a receiver from Liberty. They took a corner from Jackson State. So, like, all these smaller school guys with a lot of versatility on the defensive side of the ball in particular. Um, and then on the offensive line, even with the center from Troy, like they said, he can kind of move all over on the offensive line, and I think he'll have a chance to start right away. Um, Very Patriot-like draft. They also draft a kicker and a punter, which, I mean, like I've said before, guys, you you don't doubt Belichick after he carries you to six Super Bowl wins. So, I mean, it's whatever. I think for the Patriots, a very good draft. I would put them right there with the Bengals, like B-plus, A-minus area, because I think it was really, really solid. Well, and and another thing to add to that, I think they had like twelve picks, didn't they? Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I think that that's something to be talked about. Uh, Zach, what do you what do you give the Patriots here? I'm I'm right around that B plus range as well. I mean, we already discussed the Christian Gonzalez choice. I did think the Keon White choice was great. Now, I will say, when you see when you watch a young man get drafted on the TV and, and he gets picked in the midway through the second round and his reaction is to just look there or sit there looking just absolutely just pissed at the world. That's, that's weird to me. Um, Whatever. He probably realized, Oh my goodness, I got to go work for Bill Belichick now. Uh, (laughs) I got to show up on time, but yeah, nonetheless, I thought it was a great pick and, and I, I think Brady was pretty right. And the rest of it was okay. I, I personally am a big fan of the Keyshawn, 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 Boutte, Booty, however you pronounce it, the wide receiver at LSU on Booty. There you go. Okay. So we'll say Keyshawn Booty, uh, you know, 187th overall, I thought was, was phenomenal because you know, there's definitely some character issues, and, and Belichick has been known to one of two things: either maybe work through those things, or just be done with you. And, and either way, you're not negatively affecting our roster, right? I'm not allowing any player to be a cancer. 
we're either going to fix these things and make make these uh, you know these character issues go away or correct them, or, or you're just out of here. So you know, there's no chance here in this guy becoming a cancer to this to this roster, in my opinion. And the talent is so much beyond 187th overall at a position of me. So, uh, you know, I, I think they did a good job. I, I heard an interesting stat on them taking a kicker and a punter of the first team. And I don't remember the exact stat. The first team to do so in X amount of years or something like that. And it was a, it was a long time. But Yeah, like ever, dude. Like it, it had been a long time. <laughs> and and so it's funny you say something about trusting Bill Belichick because I was going through some things. I was reading some other people's opinions on winners and losers of the draft. And when I when I'm scrolling through losers and they see and they see I see New England Patriots listed, I literally said, eh, "I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that Bill Belichick's draft was a loser. I, I'm just going to go to the next team." People will learn at some point, maybe. I, actually, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that they will at this point. Just doubting him because you just don't <laughs> do it. But yeah, like you said about Kayshawn, man. Like in mock drafts a year ago for 2023. I mean, he was like a top 20 pick consensus. Like, the talent's there. Um, the off-the-field issues, yeah. I mean, or even – not even that far off the field. Like, throwing tantrums on the sidelines. Like, all, all that stuff is there. But we take them all. And, and he's he's going to get a chance to contribute right away. And, and I think the talent's there. That, that is a really spicy pick, especially where they got him. All right. Got three more teams I want to touch on here real quick. Um, let's go to the Cleveland Browns. Zach, what do you think they did? How was their draft grade? Uh, I'm so I I want to I kind of want to grade the Browns on a curve, which isn't really fair. I knocked the Dolphins for for a similar situation. So if you're grading them on a curve, I'm giving them somewhere in that. I'm giving them that B plus. A, I'm probably giving them a full fledged A minus. Uh. You know, when I say grading on a curve, I mean well because they they didn't have a lot of capital, or at least a lot of uh, you know they had no no first or second round picks and and we know why that is um, because of the trade with the Texans for Deshaun Watson but I thought the picks that they did have I, I thought were pretty good picks I mean they grabbed they grabbed Tillman that was their first selection they need I say they need wide receiver help you know they got Amari Cooper he's not getting any younger and, and they did go out and they got Elijah Moore who. Um, I don't know. I, I'm still not sold on, but I'm definitely not convinced that he's not good. Donovan Peoples Jones, like they got some good receivers. This this guy's a guy that come in and compete, maybe get on the field. Uh, I I thought the Dewan Jones pick was great. Now there's something to be said about the fact that this guy was expected to go in the second round or so, and he fell to the fourth. So something's going on. I I don't know what exactly it was or I is. Do. I heard weight and work ethic, but I don't know. Have you heard something else, Brady? No, pretty much that. So, basically, there's a report out there. He absolutely tore it up at the Senior Bowl day one and was, like, stealing the show. Like, scouts were like, this guy is going to be, like, a Thursday pick. Like, they said he was outperforming uh, Jones from Georgia and, and Wright. Like, he looked the part. And then he just basically, from that first day of the Senior Bowl forward, he basically pulled himself out of the entire, like, pre-draft process. So just some questions about his work ethic, like you said, and some laziness. But uh, to be honest with you, my whole thing with him is, like, we kind of saw it at Ohio State with him at times where he would, you know, underperform. But, like, 
even on days when he's not fully engaged, he's still a pretty good offensive lineman. So I think the value at 111 is tremendous on him. Yeah. What grade you give in the Browns, Brady? B. Just because, I mean, it's hard to give them anything better than that because they didn't really have any, like, much. I mean, they didn't have much capital. Their first pick yeah. was 74th overall. Right. But I, I do like the two Ohio State offensive linemen they got that fell. And, I mean, that's putting my Ohio State bias aside. Like, those two guys are good at football, and they will contribute. Like, to me, Dewan Jones and Luke Whipler are starting linemen in, in the NFL. Yeah. And they get DTR in the fifth round, who a lot of people think, you know, just, I mean, he's a little smaller, but um, has some really good traits, you know, as, as, as far as the quarterback position goes. So sitting behind Deshaun Watson and see what happens there, I guess. Yeah, I, I actually like that, too, because, I mean, number one, they need a backup. They get one. And it's a similar style player to Deshaun Watson. Like right. a, few, a few years ago when the Patriots drafted Mac Jones and they kept Cam Newton around the whole camp, I was like, what's going on here? Like that's two completely different offenses. Like it didn't make any sense. So I'm, I'm always for getting a backup that at least somewhat resembles your starter. And I think that's what they did there. Yeah. Another team I want to talk about real quick. Um, I believe they had 12 picks as well. The Indianapolis Colts. Um Go ahead, whoever wants to start here. Uh, how do you think the Colts graded out? I, I thought the Colts had a really good draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, and the first thing that comes to your mind, of course, is is Anthony Richardson at four. While I, you know, I've been known to knock Anthony Richardson as I don't, you know, he's he's pretty raw. He hasn't had a lot of time as a starting quarterback. Uh, his accuracy seems nothing short of terrible sometimes, but but ultimately these guys are investing the time and the resources into understanding this guy, knowing this guy. This is their guy, so it, you know they know what he is more than I do. They know what they want to do with him more than I do, of course. So so it's hard for me to just say, hey, you you screwed this pick up. You know, it's not like drafting John Ross ninth overall. Like, you know, that was clearly a screw up. This is like, well, this is your guy. You got him. So they, they need, you know, they needed to address the quarterback position. Um, and I thought the Josh Downs pick was great for him. I, I, I've been a big, um, uh, not, not hater, but, but almost hater of their wide receiver room. I like Michael Pittman. And then I think it basically goes to trash after that. I just I have no confidence in in uh, Alec Pierce. I don't think he's going to be any good. So I think Josh Downs probably steps in as their clear cut number two, basically day one. And you know, and they had a lot of picks there or, or total, and they you know they drafted positions that make some sense. While I may not know all these guys or know a lot about them, I think they did a pretty good job from what I see. Yeah, they drafted a lot of guys that I'm not familiar with, but I did read up on their draft quite a bit. Um, the organization seems to be very pleased with it, and, I mean, a lot of the experts also think they did a good job. So I, I would put them there in that same range as kind of the Patriots and the Bengals, like A-B-plus minus B plus range. All right. Last team I want to talk about, Peyton's going to be interested in this one. we got to talk about the Chicago Bears. Um Zach, I'll start with you. How do you think the Bears uh, did in this draft? I thought the Bears nailed a couple picks here. I, I mean, the Darnell Wright pick was 
was great. I mean, I thought that was the right choice. Um, Roshan Johnson in the fourth round, I think, was a really good choice. Uh, I, I think they needed to bring someone in. They lose David Montgomery. They only have Herbert there. I think he's he might be underrated. You know, you bring in Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati, Sewell in the fifth round out of Oregon. I, I like all those picks. You know, then and then you grab. Uh, Defensive tackle out of Florida and corner out of Miami in rounds two. While I, I really don't know who Dexter is. I'm being honest with you. Um, you know they're drafting him 53rd overall. They got you know they got some confidence in him, and it's it's at a position where you can. I mean, you can never have too much defensive back depth or defensive tackle or defensive lineman depth in general, which is where they address the second round. And, and so I, I mean, I look at this draft and I think they did a good job. The Bears are an A for me, and, and this goes back not – it goes back earlier than draft night for me. First of all, trading the number one pick. I thought they did a great job there picking up a really good receiver and, and also holding on to Justin Fields because there was a time there where people weren't sure maybe they were going to trade Fields. 100% in my <clears throat> eyes, right decision to keep Fields. I think he was better than any quarterback in this draft, so I think they made the right move there. Also in the regular season, trading for uh, they traded a second rounder for Chase Claypool, which I think a lot of people see that as too expensive. But with, I mean, the receivers in this draft, none of them passed really the day one guys jumped out at me. So I'm still, I thought that was still a solid trade for them, uh, getting Chase Claypool. Um, so with those things considered, and then they also uh, get good depth in this draft, a lot of different positions, a lot of solid college players I would have liked to have seen them add a little bit more on the offensive line outside of Darnell Wright but um it's still an A for me for Chicago I thought they did really good oh so if I if I can step in here real quick so yeah. so you're you're sticking with that you think the Claypool trade because I while I wholeheartedly agree with the number one overall pick trade I thought they did a great job there um you you think that the, the Chase Claypool trade is still a good trade? Looking back yeah. at it now, knowing that that could have been Joey Porter or that could have been, I don't know, maybe like a like a Michael Mayer. I know they got Clay or um, Kmet, so maybe that's not a great choice. You know, grabbed another edge rusher, edge rusher like Derek Hall or something like that. Another offensive lineman. You 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 would rather have Chase Claypool in your roster than Joey Porter, for example. So I'm not saying that necessarily, but the fact that they needed a receiver and went out and got Chase Claypool, and now he's a guy that's acquainted to the offense already. And you look at just the receivers that went in that range, like Jonathan Mingo, like I'd rather have Chase Claypool than him. Jaden Reed, I'm trying to think of the other guys. Um, Rasheed Rice, Marvin Mims, like Chase Claypool over all those guys for me. So that's why I still say I'm good with that trade. Does your landscaping need an upgrade this year? Look no further than TNT Springer Landscaping. They specialize in mulch, rock, trim redesign, and much more. For your next landscaping project, choose TNT Springer Landscaping. Contact Tony Springer at 419-910-0742 to make your landscaping vision a reality. Anything else you guys want to talk about uh, draft-wise? It was, it was a pretty good draft. I was entertained. I, I wouldn't mind asking. I think I know Brady's opinion. To me, the and this is probably more of a fantasy football uh, standpoint here. Did did the the Charbonnet pick to Seattle not make a lot of sense to both of you? Because to me, it didn't make much sense. I mean, what what are your general thoughts on that selection? I'm not. 
I, I'm not stunned by it because I, I think the Seahawks have always, I mean, that's just how Pete Carroll's kind of operated. I mean, that even goes back to when they had Chris Carson. Like, they always have another guy involved there, it seems like. And, I mean, those Pete Carroll teams in Seattle, even though they're adding weapons, you know, they got Metcalf, they got Lockett, they got JSN, um, and a capable quarterback in Geno. Those teams, he wants those teams to run the football. So I think adding Charbonnet with Kim Walker, I it really didn't stun me as much as it seemed to shock a lot of other people. Okay. Um, for me, this is kind of a cop-out, but like yes and no. Um, I think initially it kind of did for me, but then the more I thought about it and the more like who Pete Carroll is and kind of what Brady, just to reiterate what Brady said, like he wants to run the football. So then the more I thought about that, it was just like, no, it doesn't really shock me, I guess. I think you also have to look at the injury problems that they've had with Chris Carson and with Rashad Penny, who they took Good in the point. first round. Like, they got to be scared, man, of something happening <laughs> to Kenneth Walker. So I think yeah. just having that insurance will help them sleep I, at night. I, yeah, I, I guess I see where you're coming from. It just seems to me like it's one of those things where if, if you were to tell me they were to draft a, a running back, it wouldn't have surprised me. But telling me it was this running back, that would have surprised me. I mean, you could have grabbed someone like an A-chain or something like that that uh, complements Ken Walker, right? Like, you basically grab another back that's going to play very similar ball to Ken Walker. And, and you know, I can't fathom a scenario or a, or a package, really, where Charbonnet and and Ken Walker are both on the field type of thing. And not that that is a must, but it's one of those things where if I'm going to select a guy in the second round that in order to use him, I need to bring my my top-notch wide or running back in Ken Walker off the field most almost every time I go to use this one. I just don't I, – I don't know. Like for a team that's competing, a team that's a super – or not a Super Bowl team, but a playoff team, I – I, I'm just struggling to wrap my mind around this one. I tell you, the guy that's more upset than anybody about it is Ken Walker, because like that <laughs> that that just doesn't happen. Like he had a fantastic rookie season, and then they're yeah. like, "All right, second round, yeah. we got we got to go get another one." I mean, <laughs> Ken Walker's got to be sitting there like, "What in the world?" What? Did, yeah. Yes. I exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to add before we uh, wrap things up? I think I'm good, man. It, it was a lot of fun. Another good draft. Entertaining. Always is. Everybody's mock just goes to absolute <clears throat> crap after about five picks, and that's kind of yep. what happened again. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Zach, I know uh, we booed you off last time, and, and Brady and I talked some NBA, but we're going to keep it pretty brief here if you want to stick around with us. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, and I know you don't watch a lot of the NBA. We talked off air that uh, you don't keep up with it at all, but if you want to chime in, more, you feel more oh. I got a lot of very intelligent <laughs> input on the NBA. All right, Brady. Let's go back to uh, to yesterday. We we won't make this real long, but Warriors Kings game seven. You predicted the Warriors winning seven, uh, just a little bit different order. It was interesting yeah. that the visiting team won game five, six, and seven. Yeah, I had the sequencing all wrong, but dude, how about Steph yesterday? Like, is Steph the best point guard of all time? I think so. I, I think he is too. Like, I mean, that was crazy yesterday. Crazy. Yeah, he he, he played pretty pretty darn well. I, I I missed some of the highlights and 
it was unreal. It was unreal. So the Warriors will uh, play the Lakers tomorrow night. Uh, and then earlier yesterday, Heat Dicks, uh, this is going to be a real interesting series, I think. Dude. was back and forth kind of the whole game. The Heat took control there the second half and, and, and found a way to win on the road. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the Heat looked good. Eric Spolstra, most underrated NBA coach that I like of my lifetime, I think. And I know people think that the coaches in the NBA don't matter, but like that's just not true. Like even just from a culture standpoint, like how like how are they winning right now? They don't have Tyler Hero. It's literally Jimmy Butler and then just a bunch of guys. Like they're <laughs> like all these guys are like undrafted and they're still finding ways to win. It, it it's incredible to me. It is crazy. They're going to beat the Knicks, like maybe in like five or six. Like I, I don't like. You think so? I don't think that series is going to be real competitive. Wow. Even without Randall yesterday, I know, but like I, I, I don't see the Knicks hanging around. Okay. Go back to Saturday, Saturday night in the West. Uh, the Nuggets defeat the Suns one twenty five one hundred seven in Game One. Um, you and I kind of talked about you know Phoenix being healthy and kind of clicking. You know they're still trying to figure some things out that. They, they're probably the best team in the West, but Denver looks pretty good right now, too. Dude, the Nuggets are a bad match for them. I, 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 like, I know it's early. You can't overreact, especially because the Suns have that much talent, but the Nuggets are really posing some problems for them. And if Jamal Murray can have another series, like we've seen him playing, I mean, 34 in game one, I mean, if he can average, I'm going to say, like, 26-ish, 27 in this series, like the Nuggets are going to win. Phoenix yeah. is going to be out. Yeah. They play tonight, game two, 10 o'clock. Uh, think the Nuggets take this one as well? Um, I do. I, I really do. I think they go up 2-0. This is a series I could still see going the distance. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a seven-gamer, but I, I'll, I'll take the Nuggets tonight. Okay. Uh, another game one going on right now. Your Celtics lead by two. With five minutes to go. I'm a nervous wreck, dude. <laughs> so we'll hurry up and wrap things up. Uh, uh, game one game one tomorrow night between the Lakers-Warriors. Um, and then tomorrow night also have game two, Heat-Knicks. Lakers-Warriors, though, let's go back to that. that, that I think this is going to go the distance as well. And maybe a little bit. Going to be incredible. Steph and LeBron doesn't get any better. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. We'll, we'll touch more on that later this week. Zach, you got anything to add on the NBA? Not really. I will say I watched a short video that, that showed uh, every single point that Steph Curry uh, made and whenever his game was. And uh, I don't watch much basketball, but I was impressed. Yeah, it was unbelievable. He's, he's unreal. He's unreal. Uh, Brady, maybe you and I will recap some uh, – talk some more NBA on Wednesday. We'll, we'll jump back on here. Get back in the – the uh, high school sports scene as well. Uh, softball draws yesterday, tournament draw, and then and baseball coming up next Sunday. So we'll dive more into the high school aspect of everything later this week if that works for you. Brett, are you watching the Celtics game right now? I am. That's on, yeah. That is a <laughs> dirty play by P.J. Tucker, man. I'm telling you. that That is a calculated move right there. He just took a swing at Jason Tatum and hit him just below the belt and – it's kind of impressive because he had his back, like he had his back turned away from him, but that looked intentional to me. I can't believe that there's not <laughs> more of a fuss about that. But uh, uh, 
Wow. Yeah. And, and that, and to be honest, that kind of shocks me out of out of PJ Tucker. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I don't really know him to be that kind of player. I but. know, I know, but that that didn't look like an accident to me. I don't know. I would agree. I would agree. And I'm not rooting for anybody, but because I don't want to jinx you again. But well, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> but here we all all tied up at 104 with four and a half minutes to go and counting. So we'll wrap things up. So. Um, Zach, thanks again for jumping on with us. Appreciate all your knowledge, and uh, we'll have you back again over the summer. Hey, I did want to ask you when do you, when your dynasty league fantasy yeah. football? Um, when do you guys? I mean, how do you, how do you guys usually play that? Like, so as, like far, as far as your draft goes, do you, do you draft rookies. I mean, when does that take place? Yep. So, so we do a startup draft, you know, and we do ours a little uniquely in that we separate our uh, our veterans from our rookies. So, when we start our our dynasty league, we will have a uh, a veteran draft, and, and then immediately after that, we will have a five round rookie draft. So then, uh. We, we randomly draw for order, and, and then we inverse, you know, we snake the veteran draft and we snake the rookie draft in the inverse order. So gotcha. if you get the first overall pick in the veteran, you get the last over, last pick in the, you know, in the first round in the rookie. So then after that, every year, we aim for about two weeks after the NFL draft for a another five-round rookie draft. So this year, our, our draft falls on the 13th. So Saturday night um, – we will do a five-round rookie draft in all three dynasty leagues all on the same night. Wow. Okay. Cool. Pretty excited for that, huh? Oh, can't wait. <laughs> all right. Want to give this shout-out real quick. Um, again, Wayne Trace Junior High Baseball Club, uh, fifth annual MS golf outing, uh, Saturday, July 22nd, Sunday, July 23rd. Uh, it's at All Glaze Golf Course. $300 a team, 75 a golfer. If you want to get in that, contact John Adams, 419-235-4943. Um, again, another great cause. So uh, go out and support the uh, Wayne Trace Junior High Baseball Club. And, um, yeah, support a good cause. So wanted to give that little shout-out. Let's hurry up and wrap this up. Uh, four minutes to go. Brady's going to get off here and uh, uh, start going bananas, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> I might want to keep together. might want to keep you on and just get your live reaction no <laughs> nobody wants that <laughs> that's not good for anybody <laughs> all right well thanks again guys for jumping on and uh brady i'll talk to you later this week again zach thanks a bunch for coming on with us the last couple of days yep thanks for having me yep thanks guys you have listened to another episode of across the field peace out